Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Periodically, as you know, we join together as a UPR community to share what we're reading. Uh, public radio listeners are avid readers. It's good to share. We'll compile a collective list, and we'll put that on our website, upr.org. Today on the program, we're doing it again with a twist. We want your list of the best books of 2015. Elaine Thatcher joins me in studio. We're going to hear later from Ann Holman from King's English Bookshop in Salt Lake City, Andy Nettle from Back of Beyond Books in Moab, and Catherine Weller from Weller Bookworks in Salt Lake City. Here's how you can reach us. Uh, you can email us, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. You can tweet us. Our Twitter handle is at Utah Public Radio. And you can go to our Facebook page. And you can call us. We'd love to hear from you by phone. The toll-free number, 1-800-826-1495. Elaine Thatcher, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here again. It's always interesting to compile a collective list and see the collective tastes of, of public radio listeners. I think the unifying theme is a lot of us are avid readers. And that's, yep. I, I don't know whether that's a disappearing practice. I hope it's not. But it, I hope you can, not, too. You, yeah, you can, I don't think so. The, at least the publishing industry still seems to be going okay. They, yeah. they seem to be doing fine. <laughs> uh, you might be reading it on your electronic device, but I think people are still reading, especially in the public radio world. Uh, so you had this idea of best of, but but I misunderstood. Len, you were thinking of best ever. I was thinking best ever. The okay. best books that I have ever read. And that's sort of the list I compiled. Because I thought, you know, if you're thinking about Christmas gifts, um, you want to give something really great. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm going to change gears here as we as we go along. Um, so best of 2015, the best the best ever, uh, and let's uh, jump in with uh, Mon Gregory. He had another definition from what I was thinking. I was I was thinking best books of 2015 that you've read. You know this mm-hmm. year, uh, Mon Gregory says the best books that I read in 2015. So there's a, so we have three definitions going. Just <laughs> just give us your best of list, whatever you define that. Uh, here's Mon's uh, list. He said the best books that I read in order, best books 2015 that I read in order are, and he gives us eight. Uh, first, uh, Momadou Uld Slahi. I hope I'm pronouncing that to right. Guantanamo Diary. Uh, number two, uh, Tunisia Tunisia Coates Between the World and Me, and I have heard of, of that uh, book. Eric Foner, Gateway to Freedom, The Hidden History of the Underground Railroad. That sounds interesting. Uh, Paul Beatty, The Sellout. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, Silence, The Power of Quiet in a World Full of Noise. James Tate, Dome of the Hidden Pavilion, Poems. David McCullough, The Wright Brothers. And I had oh, the I privilege of yeah. interviewing David McCullough on that book. And his uh, la- last book on his list, Isaac Oliver, Intimacy Idiot. So that's Mon Gregory's list. So and he sounds like he's a nonfiction reader. Yeah, yeah, and for, for, the, for the most part, mm-hmm. yeah. So appreciate that, Mon. And uh, Mon's definition was the best books uh, or, or the books that he's read in 2015, not necessarily published in 2015. Elaine's definition, best books ever. So it, we'll take all comers. Just give <laughs> us your best of. Uh, here is Steve. Um, he says, uh, these are both have uh, emailed to us, upraxcess at gmail.com. And they have smartly got their list in early because uh, time flies. <laughs> My list of the best books, says Steve, is 2015, is perforce a short one because of the books I've read this year. Only one is newly published. So he was looking at that narrow definition. In fact, only last night did I finish the last chapter. It's SPQR, British historian Mary Beard's brilliant new 
thousand-year history of ancient Rome, from its founding circa 800 B.C. to around 200 A.D. when Rome opened citizenship to all inhabitants of the empire. Ms. Bird is so engaging, her prose so accessible that you might not think SPQR is the work of an Oxford University professor, but it is, and she is. What makes this book so eye-opening is how Ms. Beard goes behind the usual sources of uh, Levi, Tacitus, Pliny, uh, Cicero, et al., taking nothing at face value and using other historical evidence to unearth their uh, biases and self-interest as best can be done with 2,000 years of hindsight and piece together what might really have been going on rather than the received wisdom of ancient history as seen through their eyes. For instance, Emperor, Emperor Caligula, she calls Gaius, which is what he would have preferred, and she makes a very strong case that his terrible reputation is most the result of his enemy's slander after his murder. One of the many blind spots of ancient history is that it was written by the elites, and little has come down to us about the common people. But piecing together evidence from surprising sources, Ms. Beard breathes life not only into the likes of Caesar, Brutus, and Mark Antony. She also paints a remarkable and breathing portrait of life among the hoi polloi. That's Steve. His book is SPQR by Mary Beard. Mm, I'd like to read that one. Sounds fascinating. Um, and uh, maybe I'll do a dive into that one. I've been reading, I don't know, it's a... 12 or 1400 page biography of Alexander Hamilton Ooh. and it's it's nice if it's good it's nice to really dive into a book mm-hmm. it is so give a give, give us uh, the first ones on your list well okay so um, as I said best ever and if you've been listening to me much over these book shows you know you know that I'm really a fiction reader I love fiction I love getting into a novel I don't care for short stories because they're not long enough (laughs) I can't get engaged and buried in them Mm -hmm. but um, you know two of my top favorite books are nonfiction and one of those is called A Garlic Testament um, Seasons on a Small New Mexico Farm by Stanley Crawford I read this several years ago and it's a small book and uh, Stanley Crawford is a writer and he also has a garlic farm in northern New Mexico, and it is just a lovely book. If you have any gardeners on on your gift list, what a delightful book for just seeing the seasons as they roll, and um, and he philosophizes as he goes along, you know. Um, and then another of my favorite, also a small book, is Sweet Promised Land by Robert Laxalt. That was published in the 50s. Mm. Um, Robert Laxalt, brother of the former Senator Laxalt. Right. Um, this is a memoir about his father, who was a Basque immigrant, mm. and his return to the Basque country in his old age. And, oh, my goodness, it's just engaging and so wonderful. And you get, it gives you a real insight into immigrant life. And, you know, there's some just uh, startling lows and highs. You know, it's, it's an amazing Again, a small book, but wonderful. Uh, tell, tell me the title again. Sweet Promised Land by Robert Laxalt. That sounds fascinating. Even before you mentioned that, Elaine, I was thinking, okay, what would be some of the you know best books I've ever read, using your broad definition? And I was thinking of Basque Country. I, I got fascinated in, in Basque culture and, and, and that area of the world. Many years ago, reading a spy thriller called Shibumi by, by the author Trevanian, the one, one named author, um, and uh, th- this, his hero ends up, for various reasons, in Basque countries hiding out. And he, uh, he, he gets Basque friends, and, and he's, he's accepted by that community and is therefore able to hide out because the, they will warn him of approaching 
danger. That got me interested. And then just a couple years ago, I picked up a book by Mark Kurlansky. It's called A Basque History of the World. Oh, cool. And so he 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 takes you know the broad sweep of history. They're they're great seafaring people, and uh, uh, and you know for one thing, and hmm, I didn't a lot, know that. A lot of yeah. the Basque ended up in the West as sheep herders. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so that those are two, I guess, that would be on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my criteria for a really great book are to something that that stays with me. You know, mm-hmm. um, it it moves me somehow and gets me thinking in different ways. Um, so sometimes these are, uh, you know, heavy duty or, you know, these serious memoirs or whatever. But then another one of my favorite books ever is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> by, That's a good one. <laughs> by yeah. Douglas Adams. Yeah. You know, a silly, silly book, but so much fun. And yeah. again, stays with you. We're talking with Elaine Thatcher. We're asking for your best books of 2015, or Elaine's definition of your best books ever. And we're, we're helping you perhaps with some uh, Christmas gifts. And uh, we are going to be talking as we go along with Andy Nettle of Back of Beyond Books in Moab and Catherine Weller, Weller Bookworks in Salt Lake City. We are joined now by Ann Holman from the King's English Bookshop in Salt Lake City. Ann, welcome uh, to the program. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Uh, so uh, this this is a great to look back of a, a reading uh, from 2015, and uh, let's just launch in. What's what's on your list? Best <laughs> best of 2015. Well, I think I would have to start with Kent Harris' book, Our Souls at Night. He finished it right before he died, and it was a love story to his wife. He knew he was dying, and he wanted to leave her with the best love letter ever. And it's the story of a an elder woman, actually, who's lonely. She kind of walks across town and knocks on this widower's door and says, I know you're lonely and I'm lonely, and I wonder if you wouldn't want to just spend the night with me and we could talk. That's really all she wants. And that's what sets the story in motion. It's just lovely. Yeah, Kent Harif, what what a loss to us, but he left us this mono book. The other person we lost this year was Ivan Doig. Oh, that's right. I don't know if any of you... I've read Last Buster Wisdom yet, but it was his last book as well, and it's kind of along the, the same lines as The Bartender's Tale, a young boy telling a story. And in this case, it's Donald, who lives with his grandmother on a ranch in Montana, but she's sick. She needs to have surgery. And so she's sending Donald to her sister in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. <laughs> and as it turns out, her sister's kind of a battle axe, but she's married to Herman the German. So as soon as Donald gets there, Donald and Herman the German, uh, by hook or by crook, get back on the Greyhound bus and head back west. And that's the story, is their adventures on the Greyhound bus as they're trying to get back to what Herman the German would call the land of cowboys and Indians. It's just a terrific read. <laughs> Wonderful. Love, love Ivan Doig. I had a chance to interview him. That's, that was, I was glad I was able to do that before he before Oh, he that's yeah. wonderful. Uh, that's so, yeah, wonderful. Some, some, those are some great writers. Yeah. yeah. I had Heart Earth on my all-time best list. Mm. Oh, I know. That was a good yeah. one. We're going to miss him. Yep. I also wanted to mention a couple of kids' books, just because we haven't heard from Carolyn and Mark Beener for a long time, and we have a new Christmas book, finally, Mr. Mouse's Christmas. Mark's illustrations are just unbelievably detailed and, and beautiful. He spends a lot of time and energy. And again, <laughs> Mr. Mouse and his family are 
looking for the true meaning of Christmas. But what's different about his books is you can find hidden pictures in all of them. So for little kids, it's a book that you can read over and over and over again. But it's probably my fam- my my favorite Christmas book of the year. Uh, so tell us the author and title again. It's Carolyn and Mark Diener. Okay. And it's Mr. Mouse's Christmas. Oh, that sounds wonderful. And they're here from and they're from Utah, so I like to mention them. Yeah. Yeah. So that, see, I would like to read that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <Darling>. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then one nonfiction book that I just can't get over this year is Dead Wake, The Sinking of the Lusitania. And it's, it's, it's really kind of moment by moment, the story of the Lusitania, the captain who was on the boat, and then the U-boat captain, the German U-boat captain, captain. And it's literally what they were thinking moment by moment. And as I'm reading the book, I'm thinking... Well, maybe it's going to have a different ending. Maybe yeah. the boat isn't going to sink. <laughs> you <laughs> of hope. Course it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a sign of a skillful writer, isn't it? Where, where you you find yourself even knowing the ending. <laughs> yeah, wondering. Uh, so, uh, tell me the title again. Um, it's called Dead Lake. Okay. The Sinking of the Lusitania, and it's by I'm blanking on the name. Who wrote the? Um, Eric Larson, that's what it is. Okay. I was just typing it in, so you, you've got it. Okay, Eric Larson. All right. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My mind went blank for a minute there. Oh, yeah, those are wonderful books. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, any Any there's, others? There's a lot of good books this year. Yeah, yeah. That, that is wonderful. Well, Ann Holman, uh, appreciate it uh, very much. Thank you. Always happy to, to do this with you guys. Thanks. And uh, those, are, those are some uh, ideas if you'd like to get some gifts for for the, for readers, the avid yeah. reader on your list. Ann Holman from King's English Bookshop has joined us. Uh, later on the program, we're going to be talking with Andy Nettle of Back of Beyond Books in Moab and Catherine Weller from Weller Bookworks. And we're very curious about your list. And we have three definitions going. We could do <laughs> best ever. That's what Elaine has done. Uh, we could do uh, best that you've read in 2015, or we could do best that's been published in 2015. Whatever your list is, we want to know your best of. And you can email us to upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. You can tweet us at uh, where our handle is at Utah Public Radio. Our Facebook page is up as well. Or you could call us, 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Very curious to uh, to know your best of uh, list, and we're going to compile these, and it'll be on our website, upr.org. Uh, we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, more with Elaine Thatcher. We'll be talking with Andy Nettle and Catherine Weller, and hopefully with you following the break. The Be Well Moment is made possible by the USU Department of Human Resources Wellness Program at usu.edu hr. There are many different reasons to get involved in the community. Getting involved can help you connect to others, make new friends, expand your network, and build social skills. Getting involved can also give you a boost of self-confidence, self-esteem, and life satisfaction by giving you a sense of pride and identity. Here are a few suggestions to start getting involved in. Hospitals, libraries, daycare centers, rehabilitation centers, community theaters, historical restorations, animal shelters, sponsoring a local sports team, joining a charity, or hosting a fundraiser, and many, many more. Your ideas can be as creative and unique as the community you serve, so get out there and take action. This is Nicole Jackson with the Be Well program at Utah State University. 
Remember to live well, work well, and be well. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We're talking books. Public radio listeners are avid readers. UPR listeners are no exception. Periodically, we get together and compile a UPR book list. This time around, it's with a twist. We want your best ever. Elaine Thatcher's uh, list is her best that she's ever read. Um, well, you could also do the best that you've read in 2015 or the best that you've read published in 2015. Whatever your list is, we want your best ever. And uh, coming up, we'll be talking with Andy Nettle from Back of Beyond Books in Moab, Catherine Weller from Weller Bookworks. I have Elaine Thatcher with me in the studio, and you can join me. I'd, I'd love to know your list. We want your list on our collective list, and we'll have that on our website uh, just a little bit later today, upr.org. You can reach us at... Uh, uh, by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com, on Twitter at Utah Public Radio, and you can call us toll free 1 800 826 1495. 1 800 826 1495. And we have next up uh, Barbara. Uh, Barbara, in, is it Hiram? Uh, Barbara, glad you called. Go ahead with your uh, list. Thank you. You know, I don't have a list, but okay. how about a new category of, like, the book that haunts you the most? Oh, that, um, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a great category. Okay. Um, and I, for some reason or another, I read again The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. But how it affected me was that this, I mean, every time we read the newspaper, there's a group at a wedding. There's a group at some place that are bombed and killed, and we know there are children there. And so this collateral damage, which is an easy way to say children are slaughtered, uh, it it brings that book back to me, so um, I guess it's the best book that haunt or the book that haunts me the most, something like that. But I think everyone of every age should read that book because we are in a time when innocent people get killed so much, and we just gloss over it. So tell me the title and author again. Oh, it's um, the boy in the striped pajamas, and I can't even remember the author. Okay, it's- we'll look it up. The boy in the striped pajamas. Well, that's, yeah, that, the, we'll add that to the list, the book that haunts you. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an indication of uh, of a powerful book. Like I say, the ones that stay with you are, yeah. you know, yeah. Well, Barbara, thank you for that. Appreciate that. We'll add that to the list. Uh, and Barbara called 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. You can as well. I'd love to know your list. Maybe it's Maybe it's a list of one, like Barbara's was, and... Uh, and Steve's was, that's great, or a list of eight like Mon Gregory's. And uh, we're crunching through Elaine's list. Uh, g- give us the next few on your list, Elaine. Well, okay, mystery lovers. You know, I'm not a big mystery reader. Um, uh, I do enjoy them, but, you know, I get tired of them after a while. But one that I read that I just loved was The Case of the Deadly Butter Chicken by <laughs> Tarquin Hall. And, um, one of the reasons I love it is it's set in India. I love all things Indian and, and you know, that part of the world. I love it and uh, have lived there and so forth. So, but this one, this the main character, Vishpuri, he's a private investigator and he is so delightful. And it's just, it's just a delightful mystery read. Just the, uh, just the title. The Case of me. the Deadly Butter Chicken. <laughs> it's delightful. That sounds delightful. That's great. What, what else? Well, you know, I have um, another one from over on the other side of the world. Um, anything that Orhan Pamuk has written, I just love. But I would have to say My Name is Red is one um, 
that has stuck with me over the years. Uh, that one was, see that he is Turkish, Orhan Pamuk, and My Name is Red is set, <coughs> excuse me, in uh, 16th century Turkey, hmm. Istanbul, among uh, miniature painters. And it's a mystery, but it's just rich and dense. You know, it's beautiful. That does sound wonderful. That does sound wonderful. Uh, so we're hearing Elaine Thatcher's best ever. And uh, Barbara and Hiram gave us a new category, the, the book that haunts you. We'd love to hear that book from you. Um, we've heard uh, from uh, Steve and from Mon and uh, from Ann Holman from the King's English Bookshop. Hope to hear from you. 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. Or email to upraxis at gmail.com. This compiled to collective list will be on our website later today, upr.org. Uh, uh, if we're doing the best ever and especially books to give as gifts, uh, I always recommend Jane Austen. And, well, and, she's on and, my list. And you, uh, you know, you, uh, Pride and Prejudice is a, is a fun, fast read mm-hmm. and, and so wonderful. I have it on my list as well, and I agree. I think, you know, if you haven't read any Austen, you need to. And Pride and Prejudice is a great place to start. That's a great place to start, yeah. I love Persuasion as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's uh, a later work and a Mans- little, little bit truncated because she was dying at that point. Mansfield but, uh, Park, you know. Yeah. There are some wonderful ones. But, yeah, if you want to just dip in and meet Mr. Darcy... Go with Pride yeah. and Prejudice and Elizabeth Bennet. And if you've, uh, you know, if you've seen the various uh, film versions, that's wonderful. But but there's no substitute for for diving into the book. Yep, yep. Uh, so we'll throw that one as well. We our next up on the phone is Jennifer and Vernal. Jennifer, glad you called. Yeah, hi. Um, I wanted to comment briefly on the boy in the striped pajamas. There's a German couple who lives out here up in Dry Fork, actually. And we discussed that book, and the, they, these two people lived through Nazi Germany, and, um, and she, the wife, kind of dismissed that book, but I was trying to say to her that it's more of a what-if, and the way I saw the book was um, the, the, the Nazi guy had to see the whole thing from a different perspective once the thing that happened, happened, because I don't want to give it away. Right. But I still highly recommend the book. And then it's funny that you had a listener call about My Name is Red, because I, re- I recently bought the book, and partly because uh, it was a, the author was a Nobel Prize winner, but I also, you know how you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover? The cover is just drop-dead gorgeous. It's gorgeous, yeah. And I haven't read it yet. Um trying to get ready for Christmas, but anyway, but my all-time favorite book is still The Scarlet Letter, and I'm not, I, I think it's just because um, I think it still applies today. That's the, that's the way I would describe it. But yeah, The Scarlet Letter has always stuck with me. The classics, the classics are classics so, for a reason. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. So, so how long, so, anyway, so Jennifer, how long ago I, did you read The Scarlet Letter? Oh well, you know you have to read it in high school. Yeah, uh-huh. and then you go, and then you know you go back. It's like at church, people say, "Why do you keep going back to church?" Because they say the same thing over and over. Well, the reason you go back is because you're not the same person each time you hear that thing. So well, you read a book in high school, and you think, "Well, blah 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 blah," and then you go back and you read it again, and you're a different person now. So you see the book differently. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yep. and yeah. Um, definitely, and. and and it's like uh, some films, every time you see the film, you catch something that you missed the previous time 
Okay. So that's kind of how the scarlet letter is for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would say that it's a keeper. Wonderful. But anyway, I'm glad that lady mentioned my name is Red because you should see the cover of this book. You could Google it. It's really beautiful. I'll I'll have to do that. Well, All right. Well, thanks, thanks, Jennifer. For Thank you. Show. Uh, you bet. Appreciate that. Thanks for your list. Yeah, it's it's true, Elaine, isn't it? Uh, these some of these books stay with you for a long, long time, and yep. there's a reason for that. And I think it's uh, not only the beauty of the writing. Very often, it's also the depth and um, conflicts of the characters. The, you know, they they resonate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly true. Um, so the number is 1-800-826-1495, and email is upraxis at gmail.com. We'd love to know your list. Best ever, book that haunts you, uh, best of 2015. Whatever your definition is, we'd love to get your list. What's next on your list, Elaine? Well, you know, Delta Wedding by Eudora Welty. You know, Eudora Welty um, just had a gift for storytelling and characters, and uh Delta Wedding is just one of my favorites. I just loved that. It's this family uh, gathering for a wedding and uh, in, in the Delta, uh, you know, the Mississippi Delta area. And it's just, I don't know, I just loved every minute of that book. Yeah, Eudora Welty is a wonderful, yeah. wonderful writer. Um, I, I looked up the, uh, the Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Uh, John Boyne is apparently the, the, author, the of the, author of that book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one, one that I... You know, I have to mention, even though some people might think it's lightweight, uh, I tend to go back to P.G. Woodhouse time oh, and yes, again, time absolutely. and again. And I just recently uh, read Joy in the Morning. I had heard some people say that that's his best, at least his best, Jeeves and Wooster. So I, I recently read it, and I, it's it's top drawer, Woodhouse. It's you wonderful. Know, you know what's interesting? You can watch some of these things in television adaptations or movies, some of these classic books. But you read them and you see the subtleties of the writing mm-hmm. and, the, you know, in the case of um, Charles Dickens, you see subtleties in his humor. Same thing with um, um, Arthur Conan Doyle reading Sherlock Holmes. There's subtleties in that, that that you just don't catch when you watch it on TV. Yeah. And uh, Woodhouse is very reliable. Yes. <laughs> On just about every page, I, I have a laugh. A laugh. That's it's absolutely you know, true. His, his characters are wonderful, and he's, he's, he's just a wonderful writer of farce. And he's kind of sly, too. He, he is. Sly yeah. a little bit in some of his humor, and that all, doesn't always come across on the screen. Yeah. So I highly recommend any Woodhouse, but uh, Joy in the Morning is the one that I read recently. Uh, so we have uh, with us uh, Andy Nettle uh, is back with us, back of uh, Beyond Books in Moab. Andy, welcome back to the program. Hey, good morning, Tom and Elaine. How are you? Thank you for joining us. Uh, so uh, let's launch into your best of 2015 list. Oh, I've got a great lineup this year. Starting off with a book called Rare Books Uncovered. As we're getting into the holiday season, I think some people uh, will be receiving antiquarian books for Christmas, collectible books. And uh, Rebecca Berry has just published a series of short vignettes of some great uh, recent discoveries within the rare book world. And the interesting thing with these vignettes is most of these discoveries were uh, by amateurs, simply Mm. people finding books in their attics, finding books at flea markets, and taking them to an expert and realizing, oh my gosh, this is a, a rare collectible book like Action Comics Number 1, which was found <laughs> literally in an attic, 
uh, in a home that was being foreclosed upon, and the family was just clearing the stuff out, and they found boxes of these classic comic books, including the, the most valuable comic book in the world, just sitting there. And uh, just a reminder that these treasures are out there, and if you're ever curious about the value of books, take them into one of your local booksellers, and uh, we'll be happy to help you out. Rebecca Berry's Rare Books Uncovered. Yeah, that does sound wonderful. Yeah, that sounds great. Into the fiction world, a man called Uva. In fact, our staff joked about this for a long time. We are calling it a man called Ove, <laughs> but it's a Swedish uh, name and a Swedish author, Frederick Backman. And this has become the surprise hit, at least at our store. It's a tender, sweet story about the most curmudgeonly older man that you would ever meet in the world. He takes himself on as the neighborhood watch person of his uh, little neighborhood in, in the town in Sweden, and no one in the neighborhood likes him until a young couple move in next door. And this is a young Indian couple with two sprightly kids, and they befriend Uva, and it takes two-thirds of the book to crack his rough exterior. But Uva is a kind of curmudgeon who carries a grudge for 20 years with his neighbor who hates cats and yet has a cat. <laughs> and at one point in the book, he's hospitalized, and the young neighbors are visiting him in the hospital, speaking with the doctor and getting the diagnosis. And the doctor says, really, all it is is that Uva's heart is too big. And without saying anything more, that sums up the book. A Man Called Uva by Frederick Backman. Mm. Wonderful read. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love I love that kind of story, a, a curmudgeon who Spell maybe Uva. has a nice heart. Spell Uva for O-V-E. Us. Okay. <laughs> Ove. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Girl Waits with Gun by bookseller favorite Amy Stewart. Amy's best known for her publishing of The Drunken Botanist and another title, Wicked Plants. But she and her husband are actually bookstore owners of Eureka Books up in Eureka, California. This is Amy's first fictional attempt, although it's based on a true-life story in uh, turn-of-the-century New Jersey. Three sisters, or three supposed sisters, and I won't say anything more about that, are living in a relatively rural area of town. They ride their buggy into town one day, and they get hit by a newfangled uh, contraption called a car, an automobile, by a young mobster. And this uh, mobster promises to pay all damages, but the damages are never paid. And Constance Kopp, the oldest of the three sisters, decides to take on this mobster. And, again, it's based on uh, a real story, Amy Stewart simply fleshed out uh, a lot of the uh, known facts and turned it into a fictional prose. But Constance, uh, without a question, is one of the nation's first female crime fighters, along with her two sisters. And they simply do not back down and ultimately uh, receive justice with the help of a local DA and the local sheriff. But it is a really fun, surprising read, and it also is set up to uh, have a sequel coming. 
And so we look forward to Amy Stewart's next book. But this one's called A Girl Waits with Gun, and I found it a very enjoyable read published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Staying with fiction for another book, and who uh, would not like the follow-up to Shantaram? Shantaram by Gregory David Roberts is a bookseller favorite in that it's uh, what's known as a backlist favorite. The paperback of Shantaram, uh, Roberts's first novel, came out about 11 years ago, and it steadily sells uh, year in and year out. And finally, 12 years after the release of Shantaram, Gregory David Roberts has published the follow-up called The Mountain Shadow. This takes place in the slums of Mumbai. It's a semi-autobiographical novel. Uh, Roberts was a, a convict in Australia who escaped and ended up in India. This novel, Mountain Shadow, takes place two years after uh, Shantaram, the first novel, concluded. And it's a very different setting in Mumbai than it was when Shantaram finished. Uh, Shantaram's soulmate, Carla, is married. His father figure, uh, Cotter Bai, has uh, disappeared. And now he must find his way in, in the new world of drug runners, the Indian mafia, counterfeiters, passport forgers, money launderers. It's all there, and yet despite all the ugliness, uh, Roberts finds a way to write beautifully. Fear is a wolf on a chain, only dangerous when you set it free. Sorrow exhausts itself in the net of forgetting. Anger, for all its fury, can be killed by a smile. Only hope goes on forever. Mm. The Mountain yeah, Shadow beautiful. by David Gregory David Roberts. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's an excellent list. Thank uh, you. Um, I wonder, could, could you just uh, read through the, the titles and authors again, just so we can get this? You'll, and you'll email us the list, I, I guess. Uh, I hope. Yes, the, yeah. you have the list already. Okay, great. Uh, starting Excellent. off with Rare Books Uncovered by Rebecca Berry, A Man Called Uva by Frederick Bachman, Girl Waits with Gun, Amy Stewart, and Mountain Shadow by Gregory David Roberts. Oh, yeah, wonderful picks. Well, wonderful. Andy Nettle, back at Beyond Books and Moab. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Happy holidays. Th Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. You. Thank you. We are compiling our best ever, could be your best ever, the book that haunted you, could be the best that you've read in 2015, or could be the best that was published in 2015, whatever your list. We'd love to have it. We're compiling a collective UPR best of list. We'll have that later today on our website, upr.org. Some great books have been mentioned. We'd love to include your picks, 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxcess at gmail.com. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll hear more of Elaine Thatcher's list. I've thought of a, another couple of books. Yeah. Uh, you know, this definition of books that stay with you. Yeah, I, I've thought of a, another couple um, and we'll give those to you and hopefully we'll have your list as well at 1-800-826-1495 or upraxcess at gmail.com following the break. This is Wendy Hassan for State of the Arts. 
Some call it the silver tsunami or the graying of America. 20% of Americans are projected to be 65 or older by 2030. And Utah is a pilot state in a national movement promoting creative aging. According to the National Center for Creative Aging, Utah Arts and Museums, and Engage Utah, all individuals can flourish across their lifespan through creative expression. Research on older individuals learning to play the violin helped change decades-old assumptions about the brain's ability to form new neurons later in life, and studies have found therapeutic connections between music and memory that benefit individuals suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia. State of the Arts is brought to you by the Cash Valley Center for the Arts in Logan, Utah, featuring the New Horizons Orchestra for adult musicians of all skill levels. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah today. We are compiling a UPR book list. We'll have that on our website, upr.org. And we have several definitions of best of flying around. You can pick what you want. Elaine's definition of best ever that she's that she's ever read. And so we're hearing those, some fascinating uh, books on her list. Uh, also, uh, Barbara uh, had a definition of a book that haunts you. And she gave us uh, that book. Um, and it could be the best that you've read in 2015. That's how uh, Mon Gregory took it. Or it could be the best published in 2015. That's what we're hearing from booksellers. And we'll, uh, coming up, we'll be hearing uh, from Catherine Weller, Weller Bookworks. Let's go next to an email from uh, Joseph Anderson, who is a librarian. He's the division head of adult nonfiction reference services at the Logan Library. Um, and... Uh, so uh, this is very appropriate from a librarian. You bet. Uh, his favorite reads of 2015, Adventures of a Waterboy by Mike Scott. It's a memoir of the British musician, Adventures of a Waterboy by Mike Scott. American Crucifixion, The Murder of Joseph Smith and the Fate of the Mormon Church by Alex Beam. This is a history of Smith's assassination and afterward. That's American Crucifixion, The Murder of Joseph Smith and the Fate of the Mormon Church by Alex Beam. Next on his list is, uh, Joseph Anderson's list is Deep Dark Fears by Fran Krauss, which he describes as a quirky dark comics, quirky dark comics drawn from people's real fears. That sounds interesting. Um, Deep Dark Fears by Fran Krauss. Next up is Monk's Hood, Chronicles of a Brother Cadfell, number three, by Alice Peters. This is monastic sleuthing in medieval England. Uh, it's a, a well, great sounds, series. Yeah, those are both um, classic uh, authors, yeah. Yeah, Monk's Hood by uh, Alice Peters. And finally on Joseph Anderson's list, The English Ghost, Specters Through Time by Peter Aykroyd. It's a collection of true, quote-unquote, ghost English stories. Uh, the English Ghost, Specters Through Time by Peter Aykroyd. Thanks for that, Joseph Anderson from the uh, Logan Library. Uh, Jake in Hiram uh, is up with uh, his best ever list. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by Robert <laughs> yes. Piercing, a perennial favorite. Uh, Finding Amelia, the true story of the Earhart disappearance by Rick Gillespie. He describes this as very intriguing. That does sound intriguing. Next on his list, uh, Jake's, is Lieutenant Nobu Shirase and the uh, Japanese Antarctic Expedition of 1910 to 1912 uh, by Nobu Shirase. Who would have uh, thunk, says Jake, the Japanese had explored the Antarctic during the Golden Age of Polar Exploration? So I had no idea about that. I didn't either. You learn things, of course, when you read. <laughs> and his last, Jake's last book is Recording the Beatles by Brian Kehue. If you want to know about the recording industry during the height of the British invasion, this is it, says Jake. So Zen oh, yeah. and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, Robert Piercing, Finding Amelia by Rick Gillespie. 
Lieutenant Nobushirase in the Japanese Arctic Expedition of 1910 to 1912 by Nobushirase and Recording the Beatles by Brian Kihu. Some great books there. Yeah. What's next up on your list, Elaine? Well, I was thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, um, this one is sort of a combination. It's a science fiction book, but it really appeals to me as an ethnographer. It has this uh, anthropological side to it about the clash of cultures, and it's very well done. And it's called The Sparrow by uh, Mary Russell Doria. And it, it it's one of those that really stuck with me um, because uh, the clash of, of in this case, interplanetary cultures um, becomes tragic. Mm. And um, it's it's an amazing story. And I think it's a part of a trilogy. I think that's the first one in the trilogy. Uh, this is The Sparrow by, by Mary, Mary Doria Russell. Sorry, I got that backwards. Okay. Mary Doria Russell. Well, let's turn uh, next to Catherine Weller, Weller Bookworks. Uh, welcome to the program. Do, do we have Catherine with us? We may need to uh, fade up Catherine there. Okay. Uh, Catherine, are you with us? I I believe I am. Okay, <laughs> yes. I think you are now. Thank you. Apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> Hello, good morning. <laughs> morning. Uh, so, Catherine, what's, uh, what's first on your uh, best of list? Oh, well, you know, this is one of those things that I always wonder if I should mention, but it is my favorite book of the year, and I think it's on several best of books of the year list. The reason why I hesitate to mention it is because it has been so popular and so well-received across many different uh, platforms that it's gone out of stock at the publisher, and they're in reprint now. We're promised them next week, so please cross your fingers and stay tuned. Um, But it is SPQR Mm -hmm. by Mary Beard. Um, SPQR, just as a piece of trivia, is the oldest acronym that we know of, and it stands for the Senators and People of Rome. Oh, the oldest Very, acronym. I was wondering. Yes. Uh, by by the way, Catherine, that was one of our first books in today from mm-hmm. our from uh, Steve in Beaver Dam, Arizona. Uh, oh, wonderful. He, yeah, it really is fantastic. I'm sorry I missed that. I, I started streaming you guys a little bit late this morning. Yeah, so it, it's good to... Whatever you said, I'll say yes and okay. more. Um <laughs> Great. Her love of her subject is, just bubbles off of the page, and she is so knowledgeable that it is a pleasure to read. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm thinking about diving into that one. I think mm-hmm. with, with two recommendations, maybe yep. I'll have to. <laughs> yep. Okay. The doors, it's a doorstop, but it's worth it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Another great book came out towards the end of this year. It's called The Invention of Nature, uh, Alexander von Humboldt's New World by Andrea Wolfe. And I just loved this book. Humboldt is probably the greatest explorer that nobody remembers, mm-hmm. uh, at least not in America. He was just an extraordinary man who um, did a lot of advancement of science, but had a lot of adventure along the way. He was an intrepid explorer into the middle of the 1800s. There is just this wonderful, pivotal scene in the book where he's climbing a mountain in Ecuador. He's at 19,000 feet, which is just remarkable considering the day. Um, white guys didn't do that back then. You know, it's people climb those heights now, but they've got 
equipment to help them breathe and to help them climb up there. And this guy had ropes in his science, scientific equipment and a couple of porters. Uh, and as he looked out across the, across the landscape, he started noticing things that helped him develop this theory that the, wor- the Earth really is unified. He realized that plants grow at similar altitudes across the world. You can see similar rock formations. Um, but what makes this book great is not just letting us remember a wonderful explorer and uh, plumbing those those theories of the natural world, but it reads like an adventure book. Uh, because he did have adventures as he was exploring. The prose is dynamic. It, it's gripping as he's climbing up and his feet are freezing and his equipment's falling all over the place. You really feel like you're there. Oh, that's, that's uh, And I think he isn't uh, as well known as he probably should be, so that's, that's good. No, yeah. he isn't, and he should be better known. So that is The Invention of Nature by Andrea Wolfe. Hmm. Hmm. Um, a great, again, rather sciencey book that's a favorite of my staff, especially amongst my geeks, is called The Thing Explainer. Uh, the subtitle is Complicated <laughs> Stuff in Simple Words by Randall Monroe. Randall wrote the runaway bestseller last year, What If?, and he's the creator of the XKCD web blog. He oh, had okay. what everybody mm-hmm. thinks would be just the most enjoyable job in the world. He was a roboticist at NASA, and he actually quit that and began drawing these web comics um, that are just basic line drawings, but hysterical and funny in a, in a way that's not so hysterical, very subtle, but also really informative. And the thing explainer is this um, interesting book. It's oversized. It's, uh, I'm bad with dimensions. I'm going to say about 14 inches high. It's printed in blue and white, and it's page after page of infographics about um, how things work, but he does it with his signature sense of humor. So you're, the explanation of a, of a helicopter begins with skyboat with turning wings, <laughs> or... Uh, when you're looking in the cockpit of the helicopter, it's stuff you touch to fly a skyboat. It's dry and dry, but it's also real, and it's a pleasure to look at and hold, which, of course, makes books wonderful, I think. Oh, I'm a yeah, big fan of XKCD, so uh, that, that one might have to be on my list. Yeah, It should be wonderful. on your list. Check it out. It's yeah. fantastic. Um, one of my favorite books of the year for kids came out at the beginning of the year from the marvelous City Lights Press in San Francisco, the, the sister business to the City Lights bookstore. It's called Rad American Women A to Z. Uh, it's by, written by Katie Schatz, and it's illustrated by Miriam Klein-Stahl. And what this does in each two-page spread is deal with an American woman uh, there's a nice little illustration with the great big letters. So I is for Isadora Duncan. And it writes about these women that not everybody knows about, but maybe everybody should. So you've got people like Isadora Duncan or Billie Jean King or Virginia Apgar, the creator of the Apgar score, which anybody who's had a child knows about. It's, it's the basic assessment of the health of an infant who's just been born. Uh, it's a really colorful book. It's 
fun. You can dip in and out of it. In fact, I recommend that approach rather than reading it straight through. And though it sounds like a text, it's really not. It's just a great book to have on your shelf, and um, you'll both learn and enjoy it. Those, those are wonderful. Uh, uh, so uh, could you uh, run through the list again? Just give us the title and Certainly. Uh, let's see. There is SPQR by Mary Beard. Invention of Nature by Andrea Wolfe, Thing Explainer by Randall Monroe, and Rad American Women A to Z by Katie Schatz. Yeah, that's a, those are, that's a wonderful list. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Catherine have Weller, a great Weller holiday. Bookworks. Have a, yeah, have a great holiday. You too. We just have about a minute left here. Um, I just wanted to get in uh, a couple of books that I thought of. Uh, Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns Goodwin. That's on my it's list, a too. wonderful, wonderful book. Um, and a couple of books that I was assigned in college, I, and I honestly can't remember finishing these books, but the, the opening pages still haunt me. <laughs> uh, so I guess I'll assign myself to go back and finish them if I haven't. <laughs> uh, one is Housekeeping by Marilyn Robinson. Mm-hmm. Just so distilled and, and wonderful. And I, I remember, I, I can't honestly remember finishing it, but it was <laughs> wonderful. The other one is, uh, and this was in Spanish, um, for a Spanish class I had, was uh, 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia oh, Marquez. Yes. Uh-huh. And yeah. I, I can still remember the opening line Wow! in, in Spanish. It's, it, it, and it, those are two I'll have to go back and finish if I haven't. <laughs> what, uh, the last couple that we'll, we'll mentioned here um, from your another list? Another great uh, book from the subcontinent is uh, Midnight's Children by Sal- Salman Rushdie. Uh, yeah. It's one of his earlier books. Um, it's, I think it's more accessible than, say, Satanic Verses or you know, some of his others. But um, it still has that magic realism. And it is about the, it is about the partition of India. It, it has to do with uh, it's August 15th. 1947 at midnight, and that's midnight's children, these children who were born into um, a, a suddenly divided place, and who were they? And it's, it's a wonderful book. Excellent. Uh, and we'll get the rest of the, we'll get all of uh, Elaine's list up on the website and all, all our collective list, upr.org, later today. Thank you so much for everyone who has participated in the program. Always fun. Thanks for coming in, Elaine. Thank you. It's always fun. Tomorrow we'll have our holiday special for Access Utah. We'll have Lightwood Duo and author Tim Slover. Hope you'll join us then. Thanks for listening today. Commentator Gina Wickwar. Recently, there was a feature story on TV about a child who was caught stealing by his mother, who then called in the police to talk to him. Lots of angst and teeth grinding by the talking heads. They felt the mom was way too harsh and that the whole episode would clearly be traumatic to the little guy. It would scar him for life and lead to his withdrawal from those who loved him. He would likely develop a deep hatred for law enforcement and quite probably turn to crime just to get back at that slime of a cop who scolded him when he was seven. Well, I can attest that just such an event is actually soul-saving and character-building. My younger sister turned 66 last week. We were reminiscing about our childhood as Air Force brats who constantly moved from place to place but still idolized our way of life. That brought back a long-ago memory about our time in the Panama Canal Zone. Military families in those days lived on various bases in the zone. Our home was Albrook, an Air Force base close to Balboa on the Pacific side of the Isthmus. Our father was an officer and as such was called on duty as officer of the day occasionally. 
This involved wearing an OD armband and carrying a holster and gun. The base general also encouraged his officer of the days to don a pith helmet and short khaki trousers, much to their chagrin. In fact, our father, on one of his occasions, took off his helmet, stood at attention, and asked our mother in a British accent, Dr. Livingston, I presume. Actually, the OD job was pretty easy, as there were very few acts of espionage going on, zero fights among airmen, no acts of aggression by teens, nor any other kind of tropical terrorism under the heat-laden skies and waving palm trees. But being an officer of the day could get you involved in family matters, which it did for one hapless officer. Many Albrook families had maids, which was encouraged by the military brass, their theory being that this helped the Panamanian economy and built better relationships with the people of the country. Our maid, Mildred, was a dear, sweet woman who loved to cook and bake and was adored by my parents and us kids. Mildred's room was off the carport and was, like most enclosures, never locked. This was why my little sister, with criminal intent, sneaked into Mildred's room while she was upstairs. Tiny cat burglar Mary stealthily stole her earrings and necklaces. Uh, that could have been a historic unsolved theft, except for the fact that Mary put on the bracelets and the rings and showed them off to everyone. That included Mildred, who had to hide her giggles. My parents were upset and were thinking how to punish a four-year-old when a miraculous intervention occurred. As luck would have it, Officer of the Day Major Smith arrived on our doorstep with pith helmet, khaki shorts, and a gun. He was after my father's signature on some papers. My father had a forehead-slapping inspiration. He called Major Smith aside, and when they had finished talking, the Major asked my sister to sit on the steps. The O.D. leaned over her, telling her he had heard of her miscreant ways, her proclivity for theft of jewelry, and asked her if she thought she should go to jail. Terrorized, Mary began to weep and promised she'd never, ever steal again. After drying her tears with his handkerchief, Major Smith winked at my folks and left. To this day, Mary swears she has never thought about stealing anything, including the snicker bars in the college rec room or taking home a number two pencil when she was a high school math teacher. Traumatized? You bet she was. But all for the good. I'm thinking we need some more Officer of the Day Major Smiths. This is Gina Whitworth.